opportunities, new partners, EG Tax. Hey everybody, this is Esther Golias, the tax lady from EG Tax, and we welcome you to our weekly podcast. And I'm joined in studio here today with Tiffany Fabian. Hey, Tiff, how are hey you doing? Hey there, Esther. Very good. T- well, a little tired. Well, we're kind of in the midst of uh, tax season. And tired. so um, we want, of course, keep you abreast of all the changes uh, possible and clarify anything. And again, if you have any questions, you can go to our website at egtax. Uh, dot com. Ask the tax lady, and we're very happy to answer any of your uh, tax questions. But today we're going to continue on. We're kind of trudging down the 1040 form, and uh, we talked about uh, tax-free income. We talked about itemizing. We've talked about taxable income, all the different, a lot of the different forms. And so today we thought we'd talk about some of the adjustments to income, things that are a write-off that you you write off without itemizing. I know a lot of people think itemizing is the only way that you can take a write-off, but that isn't true, is it, Tiff? No, not at all. Um, and, adjustments to income are a really good option. Right, and the other thing is when you have a deduction, and it, any deduction is multiplied by your tax bracket. So if you're in the 20% tax bracket and you are able to come up with a $1,000 deduction, you save $200. That's how it works. If you are in the 20% bracket and you get $1,000 in income, you pay $200 on the income. So that's how it works. Credits are different than deductions. What we're talking about today is deductions, and actually itemizing is a deduction, but some of the things in the tax law now are credits, and so they have, they're far more powerful in, in the reduction of tax liability and, and getting you refunds than any deduction could ever have been. That's true. Right. Yep. The new credits, I mean, are huge, like the child tax credit, the credit for child independent care, uh, the American Opportunity Tax Credit, uh, earned income credit. They're just powerful. Well, there's energy credits. There's earned income credits. There's uh, American Opportunity Tax Credits. There's lifetime learning uh, 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 credits for education. There are all kinds of credits. Which, credit. Retirement savers credit. So those are things that you get like a hundred percent bang for your buck deductions while they're good. And there are many of them out there are going to be reduced by your tax bracket. Okay? Yes. 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 So yes. first of that, I want to talk about is educator. If you're a teacher, you're entitled to take up to, and the operative word is up to $250 for classroom supplies that you bring into the classroom to help facilitate your job as a teacher. Now, it's not something that they just say, oh, just take 250. It's up to 250. So if your expenses that you pay, you you did was $100, that's what you take. Correct. But it's up to 250. So in a married couple, if they were both teachers, it'd be $500 adjustment to income. Yeah. Some people just think, oh, I'm a teacher. Bang. I get that. But right. It doesn't work that way. Another thing, another um, adjustment to income is for business expenses for certain employees. Now, it used to be that um, under the old law that if you were an employee that incurred travel, maybe office and home, entertainment, continuing education, uh, union dues, that was a subtraction 
as an itemized deduction. They eliminated that those deductions unless you're self-employed. Yeah, because I had somebody the other day and she's like, ah, I heard you can't take the deductions and she's a real estate agent, but she's self-employed. She can. That's exactly right. So if you're self-employed, ignore what we just said, but if you are an employee that has incurred expenses and your employer is not reimbursing you, you are up the creek without a paddle. That's right. right? It's Except true. if it's, you are a so new, sad. unless you are a New York State employee. If you are a New York State employee, I mean, one uh, an employee who works in New York State, not not somebody that's employed by New York State, then those business expenses are still deductible as a miscellaneous itemized deduction. Yeah. The- New York State broke away from the federal when they were uh, doing that tweak in the law. Right. So if so, that is who can take it and how you can take it. But certain other employees that, even though you can't take it, are entitled to take the expense as an adjustment, and that would be people like performing artists. So right. if you are a starving artist and... And and your entire source of income or your source of income is is from the theatrical artist based um, way of making money. Then you are entitled to take your expenses as an adjustment on a twenty one oh six on the federal return without itemizing. That's right. That's and right. if you're not aware of it, uh, you know, if you're an artist, you didn't know that, th- you can take it as an adjustment. Yeah. Another group of people that have special carve-out in the law are armed forces reservists who travel at least 100 miles or more in order to f- fulfill their obligation as a reservist. Mm-hmm. So two groups of people, performing artists and... Uh, Armed Forces Reservists, they get to take expenses on a 2106 as an adjustment, even though you can't. So I was doing a client yesterday and um, her son lives in New York City and he is a theatrical performer. So he could... Performing artist. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you do a 2106 for, for those two classes of people, even though... You might be an outside salesperson and you have been driving all over creation trying to make money. For you, you can't take the deduction except for New York State. What if not on the federal? What if he's an actor? That is a performing artist. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> That's in a performing art. All right. HSAs. If you're somebody with a high deductible plan, HSA health savings accounts are another adjustment to income. And um and and so without itemizing, if you are somebody that has a high deductible plan, you can put money into your SA, HSA. And I'm looking at the and, and I got to say, here. you know, after Obamacare came about, there was a, a real bevy and plethora of these high deductible plans. And right. So it's a really so if you're important single, tool. you can you can put up to three thousand dollars into an HSA, and if you're 55 or older, an extra. So you can put forty six hundred in HSA. If you're a family, then it'd be seventy two hundred dollars into an HSA with an additional kicker of a thousand if you're over age fifty five or over. And that's an adjustment to income. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's done through your employer pre tax, then you don't take the adjustment. This would just be after tax dollars. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right. Now, 
And and it's I had a a client the other day, and um, she works at a job as a nurse, and she has her own health insurance. But her husband is retired; he retired young, and he is under health insurance that's a high deductible plan. So he always puts money into in his an HSA. HSA, right? Yeah, and, and you have up till the end of tax season, which is April the eighteenth this year, to make that contribution for last year. So if you're somebody that has a high deductible plan or you want, if you can do this um, up till, you can make that contribution up till April the 18th of 2022, retroactive to 2021. That's right. Okay. HSAs. All right. Another adjustment to income is for people that are self-employed who pay self-employment taxes. Half of your self-employment tax is an adjustment on page one of the tax return, even if you don't itemize. Yep, yep, yep. So I was doing a, a real estate agent today, and his uh, profit from his real estate company was around $9,700. So let's say his self-employment tax was $1,400, $700 is an adjustment to income. That's exactly right. So it reduces your adjusted gross income by $700 in that situation. So if you're self-employed and you're paying self-employment tax, now self-employment tax is nothing but FICA and Medicare tax. Yep, yep, I know. 15.3% of your net profit is where you have to send into the federal government to pay your Social Security and Medicare, and again, half of it is a, dedu- is a deduction. Yeah, I was also doing a return the other day for um, a gentleman. It's his second year in. He has a lawn care and snow business. And he made around uh, $78,000, but he bought all this equipment. And so his profit wasn't that much. And I, I told him it's a double-edged sword because you're paying in your FICA and your Medicare. And um, so you want to make sure... When you go to retire someday, you have something in that kitty for Social Security. Absolutely. Well, for instance, uh, if you're a minister, if you're a pastor, if you're a religious person, in the year of ordination or licensure, you can make an election to opt out of the Social Security um, trust fund if you have a conscientious objection to receiving public benefits. But if you are a regular minister, your wages is subject to FICA as well as your housing. Even though your housing is tax-free on the federal, you still have to pay FICA, and half of that would be an adjustment. Correct. Yep. Now, let's say you got a CD, and they were supposed to pay you $1,000 in interest, and you broke the CD, and you end up with a premature withdrawal penalty. That penalty is also an adjustment to income. It is. Yep. And so you would usually find that on your 1099 INT statement. It would have the penalty on there. So you're going to take that as an adjustment to income. Then the other thing is if you're somebody that's paying on a pre-2019 divorce and you're paying alimony, that alimony is an adjustment to income uh, right with all these other things, it's an adjustment to income. If it's a post-2019 divorce, then unfortunately, the alimony is not deductible at all. Right. Nor <laughs> is it taxable to the recipient. Yep. 
Yep. Which, um, you know, the, the mother, the person who was paying the alimony prior always took that adjustment. You'd need the person's social security number. And so now going forward after 2019, the person who's paying no longer gets that. Um, and the person receiving doesn't have to claim it. Right. And I might add, and if you are the person receiving However, alimony uh, and a post-2019 divorce, the child support's not taxable However, either. if you live in the state of New York, New York State retained- Oh, good point, good yeah, point. Re- New York State retained the old law, and the person who receives the alimony still has to declare it, and the person who paid it can still take the adjustment. Absolutely. So- all right, another uh, uh, adjustment to income is the IRA SEP 401k that somebody might make because they didn't have a qualified plan or they want to make a contribution to an IRA and they fit within certain um, economic uh, wage limits. The IRA deduction is allowable to uh, to be opened and you can put up to $7,000 away if you're over the age of, if you're 50 or older, you can put up to $7,000 away. If you're somebody that's self-employed, you can put money into an SEP again up till April the 18th. Uh, and if you're, if you're doing a solo 401k plan up till April the yeah. 18th. And then not to mention, <clears throat> excuse me, it might qualify you for the retirement savers credit, which is done on form 8880. Right. But that's not an adjustment. Right. But now, just letting you know. let's say you're somebody that would really like to have the savings of putting money into an SEP. Let's say you have a business and you make $100,000 and you're going to owe $20,000 in taxes. You really don't. Ha- and you, But if you put the money into an, an SEP, it's going to bring down the liability down to maybe 10000 So what you want to do is you would like to put that money, but you don't have the money. You can do then what you can do is an extension. So you can open up your SEP by April the 18th and then extend it until uh, extension deadline to file the return. And that way gives you some time to uh, to file that paperwork and, and you can actually fend off putting your money into the SEP and it'll save you some money. Excellent idea. Okay. Yeah, there was a client today, um, the real estate agent. Um, he put twenty five percent of his profit into an SEP, and it was really, <clears throat> excusing me, important for him because he gets health insurance through the marketplace, and so he needed to bring his income down so that he could qualify for the. Oh, lower that's great. That's health great insurance. because so many of these things in the tax law, which is Play so off. remarkable, is that if you do this, then it affects that. Yeah. So it isn't just a simple. Oh, I'm gonna just do my tax return, and I'm like falling out of a log. It's not like that at all. You really have to think about it. We just had a, uh, we were doing our radio show, and a lady called and said, "Gee, I had two hundred dollars, two hundred fifty dollars withheld for my W two because I made a a little bit, and fifty dollars for the state. Should I file? Well, you want to keep? You want the three hundred dollars or not? Yes. Then you you worked last year. Yes, you might get an earned income credit. Correct. So. Brand new and, for and seniors. she wouldn't she would for her not to file the return would not have been wrong. It would have cost her three hundred dollars, but not only would it cost her three hundred dollars, but it also cost her a credit, the earned income credit. Correct. So she's going to file. She is, and that's why it you legally don't have to, but there's all these other options. Right. Absolutely. So 
remember, if you file an extension when you're self-employed, that it also extends the deadline to make that contribution into your SEP. So it's a, that's a little tool in the tool chest. Pretty cool. But you got to pay the taxes you owe on April the 18th. All right, so those are just some of the adjustments to income. The other thing that people don't know about is after the standard deduction then, or your itemized deduction, you get another bite at the apple. Right. And that's through the QBI. Right. Yeah. Now, what is a QBI? That's the Qualified Business Deduction, and it um, came around with the new overhaul of tax changes. And so it was to benefit small business owners and other business owners, and it's 20% of the net and it's a potential, um, I call it adjustment or reduction of your income. Right. Absolutely. So it's, so first you have those adjustments to income that we just talked about. Then there's the standard deduction or, or personal uh, or itemized deduction. Then after that comes the QBI. Now the QBI would be, like Tiffany says, for people that are self-employed, but they're also found on as, as an investment. So many times, especially when you're in a mutual fund and they're buying and selling and buying and selling different types of stock and different companies embedded in those trades are net profits from businesses and they throw them on your your brokerage statement as a code 199A. Yep. So if you are looking at your brokerage statement, take a look to see if you don't have, you got your qualified dividends, your dividends, your qualified dividends, dividend cap, capital gains, then you're going to see probably foreign taxes paid. You should do it 1116 and 199A. Uh, the 199A is QBI deduction. And if you don't put it on your tax return, you've overpaid. Correct. Don't do that. So that would be silly. So so here's the thing. Back when Trump was president, he wanted to reduce the tax liability, the the top rate on corporations, which he did. But to make it fair, he said, gee, it wouldn't be fair that other businesses don't get uh, a reduction. So they came up with this qualified business income deduction, which is 20% of the net profit. And it's for small businesses, S corporations, partnerships, and real estate companies and rental properties that act as a business. So if you're kind of a mom and pop organization and you have rental property and you kind of co-mingle the funds and you got, you're really not trying to manage it properly, then you wouldn't use QBI for that. But if you actually are like a real estate professional or somebody that really is diligent on how they take care of their uh, real estate activity, you have separate bank separate accounts. bank accounts. You're doing <clears throat> the accounting. Everything's done in a in a business type way. Then the net profit from your rental property would be twenty. Could be a twenty percent deduction. Yep. QBI. That's right. <clears throat> There's a lot of clients that I do that who are in that situation, and it really benefits them. And so you want to pay attention to all those adjustments. And I think then you were talking about the credits too, right? Right. Well. So we have the QBI deduction at 20% is a lot of money. So if you had a hundred thousand dollar net profit, that's a $20,000 deduction. Correct. 
right? Yeah. And there's and, there's also and on that those then that brings you down K- to your adjusted gross income. Pardon me. Also, that one ninety nine a is found on K ones. So when you have a partnership, oh, or that's an absolutely true. good point. And I can't tell you, Esther, how many times. Um, I'll get somebody's K-1 and unfortunately it was done somewhere else and it was missed. And so you want to make sure that the 199A is calculated on the K-1. The K-1 is then entered to your personal return and that QBI deduction is done um, on the bottom of page one of the 1040. Absolutely. All right. So the other thing, one other last adjustment to income, and again, special group of people, military, permanent military personnel moving to their final destination, not to heaven, but uh, to their permanent place of work that have to pay their moving expenses are able to use the Form 3903 moving expenses. Many people still think moving expenses are deductible, but unfortunately they're not yeah. uh, except for military I, I'm doing a return right now for a nurse practitioner and she moved here from South Carolina and in her little note to me, she's like, I moved here and here's my deductions for moving to New York, but doesn't count. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so if you're a military person, however, and if you're moving, um, you can take that. You, right. And that's income. form on, that's found on form 3903. Now, if you are an, Again, we're talking to many New Yorkers. If you're moving into New York, you're, the federal does not have, have a 3903, but New York allows you to move it and, and take those expenses uh, for moving. Because just because it's not deductible on the federal, you are allowed the 2106 on New York State and you're allowed the 3903 on New York State. And that's what's so confusing about New York sta- taxes. The, I think the New York return is equally as complicated, yeah. if not more complicated than the federal return. Right, but not, because they have so many more restrictions. Right, but not if you're moving out of New York and not if it's a right. part year. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And so I, I think that's really, what other sort of things are you finding this year? That well, are, I, I think the important thing is that you don't assume that you you can't, that you shouldn't file because there are so many little hidden nuances in the tax law. For the first time ever, seniors over age 65 that are working can get an earned income credit. Yeah. So it's, it just blows my mind. And I've been asking all of my uh, parents that have parents of their own, and they're not filing any longer. I'm like, do they own properties? I've just been tossing it out there because if they own properties, that's true. The, the they New might York qualify two, for the 229. Two, so I sit there and ask my you know, people who have parents who aren't filing anymore. Right. And they're like, oh, I'm going to bring in their stuff. Absolutely. All right. But anyway, so I'm Esther Gullius, a tax lady from EG Tax. You can go to our website at egtax.com. There's all kinds of helpful information there. If you're out of the area, you can send us uh, virtually all of your information. We have a portal on our website. Download all your information. We will professionally prepare your return uh, and interview you over the phone. If you're a local Western New York or New York resident, uh, you can either bring in, make an appointment again, or do it virtually. But until next week, I'm Esther Gullius, the tax lady from EG Tax with Tiffany Fabian. And if you have any questions, give us a jingle at our corporate headquarters, 632-7886, area code 716-632-7886. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.
New friends, new opportunities, new partners. E.G. Tax.